Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Last minute to sign up. We have a great relationship with the folks down at Kinetic Dog Food. Uh, they have a great balance of healthy meats, grains, and is made specifically for working and sporting dogs. Check them out, kineticdogfood.com. You will not be disappointed. They are great. Hey, guys, be sure to check out Ray Allen Manufacturing's new training app that they've got, iTunes Store, and the Android Store, uh, new product collaborations. Um, be sure to check it out. We also got a new discount code, RAM, R-A-M-W-D-R, RAMWDR for 10% off, rayallen.com. American Aluminum, best inserts in the game. Hit them up at Easy Rider Online. That's the letter E Z Rider Online.com. Brand new advertiser, guys, Rex Specs. We love them. They believe that any adventure worker play is better with a dog by your side to keep them protected and with you no matter what. Rex Specs designs and manufactures performance driven dog gear for the active and working dog. 20% off your first order discount code Working Dog Radio. All right, everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. As always, I am Eric Stambro from coming to you from just outside Canton, Ohio. Uh, with me is Ted Summers, a co-host from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Ted, what is the word? It's cold. That's what the word is. It's really cold in Oklahoma right now. And uh, we're supposed to get in the coldest temperatures we had in three years next week, right in the middle of my handler school. So, uh yeah, uh, and we have a large school, so it's been uh, it's been interesting. Uh, I've got a lot of good teams, a lot of good handlers. I don't have any dogs in this class that are just absolute murder ponies. Uh, we have some really nice, really balanced dogs. Um, that said, I almost got bit yesterday and today, so <laughs> it, it is what it is. Yeah, um, we were doing building search stuff with the dual purpose guys today, and. Um, so it's been one of my handlers. Uh, we had snow last night, and um, he's from Indiana, but uh, he has a brand new Tahoe. And I mean, like, the engine is still shiny new, mm. and the battery was dead this morning. So it turns out there's like a, a relay between like the two batteries. Like, if you're listening to this, and just if you're listening to this and you have a brand new Tahoe and it keeps dying, apparently this is the problem. There's a relay between the two brand new batteries, and you need to switch it to something they call a yellow jacket that stops it. I don't know what it is. I can find out what it is. But the the OBN guys were here today. Uh, we had Anthony Moore here, uh, who's been on the podcast, but he was helping instruct today. And then one of their handlers is in class, and they said, "Oh yeah, some of us had it, and you have to switch this piece out." So if you're listening to this, you have a brand new Tahoe, and I mean it's like a 2024 Tahoe. Brand new battery died dead. So anyway, I had to go jump him. Had to drive with all the idiots this morning and all the snow and yeah so what do you got going on uh just you know working the um it's swat season at the uh, fun house so all the swat you teams, have a heater yes because it's heated it's very <laughs> it's comfortable dark. in there um so this all the tactical teams are starting to use it um the department alliance that i have my um commission through is doing their in-service a couple days a week in there um which is cool that'll be all this month and a little bit next month i think and then just about every thursday friday and some weekends there's some sort of tactical stuff going on from now until um eh, end of april and then they start moving outside to uh you know outdoor ranges and different things but um they'll come in and if it gets real shitty out i always get a call like on a thursday or friday training day hey man 
we use the fun house because they just <laughs> sick of being at their you know outdoors and uh so yeah that's moving along pet dog stuff is um doing well um i had some training groups uh at the place last week or two weeks ago a tuesday and a wednesday just having fun doing some different stuff and there's some boys down from michigan a couple of weeks ago they've been here before um so they came and brought some nice young dogs and uh i have a buddy of mine who lives about uh close to two hours away hour and 40 45 minutes name is travis he's uh a brown shirt i believe a purple or brown brown shirt through um the sean edwards the deadpool decoy oh so, yeah 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 yeah. <clears throat> yeah he's travis is legit man i like him he uh part of his growth through sean is coming to me and instructing so when he first started coming to me i think he was a blue shirt so what i'm saying guys is um Deadpool D, D, Deadpool decoy runs his program kind of like a jujitsu belt system where there's white, blue, purple, brown, and black, and there's shirts you get. He's not you're not wearing belts, but they get shirts, and it's based off of time and experience. And um, it's not just given to you; it's not like you can buy it. Um, so Sean messaged me and said, "Hey, Travis is coming down. We really need him to really work on teaching humans." Um, so that's what he's been doing lately, coming down and putting on like mini decoy schools, like, you know, little mini decoy camps for, um, like the Michigan guys and some other people. And he does amazing work watching him grow, uh, as a decoy. Then he's like, could really catch dogs, right? He's really good at catching dogs. And then he's talking about, uh, to the handlers about how to work their dogs, um, you know, with the back tie and what what opposition reflex is. And now he's really working on instructing them to be decoys, to make better dogs. So it's a pretty cool transformation. So I'm, ha I'm lucky to have Travis. He comes down, he's got a dog, a pet dog training business up there in um, the Ohio, Pennsylvania border way up, like where it snows in like September, like up there. So um, no, yeah, it, it's it's an <laughs> ass throw from buffalo so you know it's oh, not to, okay it's, yeah, it's up I there get, yeah so they get lake effect snow so yeah it probably does oh yeah September. yeah so oh, he was uh, just down not too long ago two nah. three days in a row i like i enjoy it i learn i learn stuff from him all the time it's pretty cool um so other than that that's that's really it just busy for us um the december was like on the pet dog side, December was booked, but booking in December for like January is always slow. So I'm like, yeah, that's uh, everyone. Well, you know, and everyone kind of realizes that they're they have a family over for New Year's and Christmas, and they realize their dogs are shitheads. And then literally like, December 26th, yep. people start calling, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, my dog's an asshole." We had one come in, and he they're like, "He stole an entire turkey off the table." I'm like, "Oh, did he? What is this Christmas <laughs> story?" That's what literally I made that reference, and everyone yeah. in the kennel looked at me, yeah. and I said, "I go, is your dog like the Bumpus's dogs?" Everybody, nobody knows that. Right, makes me so. I had to refer to office space as my generation's workaholics the other day, and they're like, "Oh, okay." I, yeah. I'm like, "You need to go watch it because I made mm -hmm. I referenced the whole uh, thing about tearing up the copier where they go out and it's like the mm -hmm. fucking ghetto boys playing. Yeah. They're like, die, motherfucker, die, and they're beating it with a 
bat and they're like we've never seen that movie i'm like excuse <laughs> me so anyway um yeah so tonight speaking of like pet stuff and running businesses and whatever else um we've done another episode like this it's been man three years probably since we've done this, like a similar kind of episode like this but Eric and I and our guests also get a lot of um, questions about like running a business. And the one thing that I tell people and Eric tells people and our guest is Alicia, my business partner and my my business partner in like everything that I do um, that, you know, canine is a business. Right. So this business is a business. So aside from being like Eric is a very accomplished trainer, I am a very accomplished trainer. We're very good at training. I can tell you off the top of my head, probably 10 guys that I know are fantastic trainers, but are terrible business people. And on the other side of that, I can tell you 10 people that are fucking shit trainers that are really good business dudes and make a shit ton of money and they shouldn't. And Hmm. so this is a business. Um, So tonight, this is kind of aimed at um, our listeners that aren't necessarily professional handlers, like our canine guys um, that is about people that are running canine businesses, whether it be pet or um, hunting or canine, like slash pet, like whatever it is. But tonight with us is Alicia Brandt. Alicia, how are you? Oh man, I am finer than frog's fur. You sound like shit. So I mean, <laughs> no, I feel what's, what's wrong. What's wrong like with you? In, in the middle of an allergy attack, literally. Um, and my nose is running and my eyes are running and I am, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready for my close up, Mr. DeVille. So yeah, it's beautiful. you're not going to die. You'll be all right. So, you know, Eric kind of like lead us off here with the, <laughs> I feel like there's so much here. That, yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. And this yeah. episode is not going to be like how to teach a dog to sit or is not going to talk about positive and negative reinforcement or positive punishment or leash management or me yelling at handlers or whatever. This is some shit that like is the day to day operations of how like Eric at Van S canine and Ridgeside and tort and Alicia and I torchlight and HRD and all these other places. And obviously the podcast, this is a business also, and this is a, as a thing, like there's more than just the three of us involved in this thing. So um, I guess kind of like give us some of the overview of, uh, of like what we're going to talk about with like some of this All stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't want to last year, maybe last year, the year before we were on a, you were, I don't know what episode we were, what we were talking about. Um, I think it was just you and me. And we said, those of you who are in the military or in law enforcement right now, oh, yeah, that's right. Is canine guys. And you think you're going to come out of the military or, you know, still in law enforcement or going to be getting out of law enforcement and think that you're just going to go start up a working dog business and sell police dogs and get contracts with the military and all this other stuff. I I said, that is not going to happen. Like, um, you are just going to spin your wheels and it's not going to happen. Um, that there are lots of big vendors. There's a lot, the, the industry is filled with people already. It's hard to make inroads. And then, you know, we started talking. I just started thinking about it. I'm like, well, listen, who, who the hell am I, honestly, to kill those dreams for people? We're just trying to, you know, we're trying to be realistic, but there are people who have, uh, recently started, you know, 
in the last year or two started uh, from the ground up working dog businesses and are doing pretty good. You know, um, they're some of them are in heavy markets where it's tough to do it, but they're they're obviously putting out good products. So they're getting, you know, some good handler stuff going on there. Um, and then there's some that are a niche market, like where they're the only thing in their area, which is cool. And if that if that works out for you, um, you can get you know, kind of own that whole area. So I was like, reached out to you guys. Um, those of you who don't know, maybe you do, or you don't know Alicia, Ted and I all own this podcast together. And, uh, we have since the very beginning and, um, it's worked out just fine for us. Um, Alicia has been on twice or twice. She hosted an episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah talk to, uh, yeah, my <laughs> wife and, it was a pretty sweet crime episode, but, uh, and then we did the very first series of women in canine, uh, Alicia was guest number one, I believe from that. And it was just she and I talking. So, uh, those, if you go back and listen, those are way in the back, but those are really good episodes. So, um, so anyways, we're going to talk about like my perspective on being, so I have Van S canine. And I've Ridgeside Canine, Ohio. I used to do everything pets and police dogs out of Van S Canine. And it just became confusing for people when it came to like the website because I had both things going. Advertising got weird. I missed out on some police dogs because my social media was showing pets. And then I missed out on some pet people because they went to the website and the website had a lot of police stuff on it. So we split that up. Now, my entire time at Van S Canine, I had on the working dog side, me. Um, I had a guy named Jordan working for me for a long time. Um, he would help me get dogs ready and things like that. But Jordan is also a full-time state trooper and now a dog handler. And so his time got eaten up as well. So kennel, it was just me, no help from anybody. Um, getting the dogs from Europe, just me, uh, getting them prepped. There are I don't know, man, hundreds of dogs that I trained on imprinting them on boxes by myself, where it's me holding the dog back, you know, hold, you know, all this shit, popping the ball, woo, getting the ball, letting the dog run around so I could switch the boxes real quick or tying him off to a pole so I could switch, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, you know, um, yep. but it worked right. Uh, so we're going to talk about from my perspective on the smaller scale kennel size. Um, the most kennels I ever had was eight. And, um, and then we're going to have you guys talk about, uh, you guys are especially now currently rolling in a much larger facility, larger kennel, lots of employees. I have at one point I had 20, 24, 25 people on the, um, pet side and me on the working dog side. And then still trying to work that like my, my, if the payroll's down, we made some changes and some trainers had to move on and, and things like that. So the payroll's down to like $350,000 a year. Um, and I get zero of that. I take zero. So there's a lot going on. So on the working dog side, that was all me, um, fronting out the money. Um, we can talk. I'll talk briefly a little relationship problem or issue that, that kept me going for a little while uh, with a vendor. And then that fell apart and that kind of changed everything. But um, 
So, yeah, we'll talk about that. And then we're um, I'll talk about that in the first sec- segment. After the first commercial break, when we come back, we're going to deep dive where you guys are at, how it's going. Um, and then on the third segment, we can talk about, you know, things going forward in the future, maybe even some don't make the mistakes that we did. Like I have some for sure. <laughs> and uh, you, uh, you guys have a very interesting story. We probably don't want to get into most of it, but there was a big change in your business. And I'll get, I'll, I'll tell you what, the beginning of the second thing, I'll just kind of intro that a little bit. And if you guys are watching this on YouTube, you see uh, Alicia's wearing one of the old OG. Uh, is that a working dog dry goods shirt? It is the original fight drive. Yeah. Yep. One of our original drive. hashtag shirts. So I like these it. are big sellers. Yeah. And we didn't get a, a season desist for this one. So that's good. You know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they, uh, a couple of the letters yeah, were printed true. larger than other parts. That's, it was a weird printing mistake, but, uh, yeah, no, it's because kinda... I think I did the fucking Photoshop on it, and uh, no, that's not what I mean, Ted. That is <laughs> Alicia was on it; she knew what I was yep, talking yep. about. Yeah. So, anyway, Ted's always um, missed kind of. Yeah. Right. Um. All right. So, real quick, on my end, the most I ever had was eight kennels. For a while, when I uh, got back from uh, working the Cobra Canine Seal contract, I uh, had three kennels. And I sold a lot of dogs for a three kennel place. Now, the difference between me and a lot of you guys that are trying to do this one-on-one or, you know, by yourself is A, when I started my Instagram, I already had a pretty decent imprint or footprint. I had um, pretty good followers. I was putting up good content from when I was on the police department, you know, and that stuff. And then no lie, the podcast helps, right? Um, It helps open doors for us. And then we you know, take the product through the door and because it doesn't matter if we had this podcast and we're putting shit dogs that it it wouldn't make it, you know, period. Um, They'd be like, stick to the microphone fool. Um, So I started out uh, again, just me. I had uh, some van, some piece of shit minivan, which I got a, a bigger van and gave the minivan to my daughter. She was like 16 and that was her first hoopty ride. And didn't it, it catch caught on, on fire? It yeah. did. It caught on okay. fire at an intersection right. in town. And uh, <laughs> I saw pictures on fire, <laughs> the whole hood. Awesome. It was a, uh, I live in the country. So it was a mouse house that did that. Um, mice brought shit in there and, and set that bitch on fire. So, that was a fun phone call. I was 30 minutes away. She said, it's on fire. And uh, we called that the BV, the bitch and van. But the bitch and van cost me like $1,600. And I transported a lot of dogs in that van, right? It's getting dogs from locally. I started getting them a little bit from Europe. I got screwed over from a vendor in Europe one time, never dealt with them again. And that's, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit. The, the trust factor that we have with certain people that send us dogs based off a of video, you know, uh, versus I've never been to Europe to look at, look at dogs. Um, I don't know if Ted, besides cycling, if you've been there to look at dogs. Well, I mean, yeah, but it's been 20 years. I mean, yeah. so, I mean, there's certain language that translates and like, so 
there's a certain amount of trust and a certain amount of language that translates. And there are certain things that like transcend geographic, cultural, and language barriers. So um, <clears throat> after everyone gets on the same page and everyone knows what they're looking at and everyone agrees that they're looking at the same thing, it's usually not a problem. Yeah. Yep. So I had a couple kennels at the house and then I got away from that and I got lucky. There was a building in town, the little town I live in, um, owned by a guy I went to high school with. So I'm always networking, right? Always keeping up with those people. He had a, he had a building that had an apartment attached to it. So I could, I had three kennels, a little wash area, bathroom, and then the, the apartment for out of town and, uh, people. And it was cheap. I think total was $600 a month. Um, not bad. So where I, this is where I wish. So I had that kennel. Then I got another kennel, a larger one um, that I was at for a long time. Eight kennels. I could have put more, but I didn't want to. Eight was it's six, seven. That's how many crates I could fit in, in my van was eight, eight crates. So that's kind of where I s stayed. Um, one of the biggest issues that I see kennels make big mistakes is they get giant, huge kennels. Yeah. And they waste up all their space. I had five by fives and four by fours. Now the difference between me and some others is I did not have an inside outside kennels. I had, everything was indoors. It was a, my second kennel was a giant garage, giant garage. That was a machine shop before I was in there. So it had water power, um, Heat and air I had to provide. We had other water ran, but it was good. I had a room in there full of crates, and then I had the eight kennels. Um, but five-by-five kennels from Prefert are the ones I was using, and four-by-fours from Prefert. Plenty big enough, guys. You don't need 10-by-20, 10-by-12. Now, it's different if you have indoor-outdoor, but so that's where we're at there. So if you find a space like that, you're good to go. You got to have drains in the floor, right? You need that, and you need... Um, Water. Got to have water. If you can get hot water, even better. Right. Um, so then I had that going. And the only thing I wish was that it was that the kennel was on my property. Um, each each kennel I had was about eight minute drive, six to eight, nine minute drive. And it doesn't sound that long. But at 10 o'clock at night, 1030 at night, it is it is long when you got to get up, get dressed and drive in, because when you have all indoor kennels, you can't um, let them just sit there and piss and shit in there. You, you got to clean it up. You got to kennel break the dogs. You got to teach them how to hold it. Uh, crates help with that stuff too. So I was doing all that stuff by myself. It's doable. You just have to get a good system going. Um, but if you can do it on your property or very close to your property where it's a minute, um, you'll be much better off that I probably, if I had prop property where that kennel was there, uh, I'd probably still be doing it. Now, Ted, Ted will talk, Ted and Alicia will talk. Theirs is not at their house. Obviously it's away, but it's a huge place. So a lot bigger than, than what I have. But if you can do a four five, six kennel area at your, on your property, you're, you're way better off. Um, so as far as the, the small size goes, that was about it. You, you want to try to not overextend, um, 
like in rent right away, you're like, ah, that's ah, one dog. Will, you know, I'll sell one dog and it'll pay for three months rent or whatever. That's a slippery slope. Um, yeah. On the pet side, you get into the, uh, that's just one board and train. One board and train will pay, you know, and I've, I've done that. Right. And then in December, when there isn't that one extra board and train, then, you know, then you're kind of stuck. Um, so I got, got that going. Um, don't be surprised. It's very hard to find people to help you. Um, it is you, you really have to really have the passion to do this. But key too is you can't afford to get a shitty dog at all. You know, you can't afford a medium dog, even like one that was, they send you and you're like, eh, this isn't a dual purpose. Maybe I can make him single purpose. I've had to do that a couple times and, and I got lucky it worked out, but just because of the network, but I've had to eat a couple dogs. And we have talked about this here and on other shows that if you're a small kennel, say you have three or four kennels, you get a dog in and with cost of the dog in shipping, you're about seven. 7,100, 7,200, depend on what the shipping costs are at the time. Maybe a little bit cheaper, but you fronted that. So say you bought three dogs. Now you're twenty-one, twenty-two thousand dollars uh in the hole without the dog being sold yet. Then when you do get the contract for the dog, you're looking at, you know, they say net 30, but not too many of them actually do net 30. <sighs> It's net 60, 90. Some take their sweet old time. I ended up filing a complaint on a civilian employee. Yeah. I ended up finding, filing a civilian, a complaint on a civilian at, at an agency because she took her sweet old time. And when I, when I asked her why, she says, because I can. That was her answer. And then I filed a complaint on her. And then the next dog group of dogs I bid on, she threw my bid away. Um, there was no recourse, nothing. Wow. Filed. I went to the undersheriff. I, yeah, it was bad. So you got to be careful because if so, say you you sell the dog to the agency and the dog gets returned within the period of your warranty. Now you are screwed. You just ate seven thousand dollars, roughly, uh, time and everything that you had into the dog, and then you have to replace him. And you haven't sold the other ones yet. So now you're deep, deep in there. And one return dog early on in a small kennel can destroy you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, you can't come back from it. They'll return them for all kinds of crazy shit also. So, you know, we've had a dog returned for um, something that I didn't think was a legitimate reason to be to have the dog returned. Um, and to our credit, to our vendor's credit, it's the same guy that Eric used for a long time. He, no questions asked within minutes. was like, okay, no problem. I'll replace the dog. And, um, he ended up going to another department and being sold as a single purpose dog. Basically what it amounted to is he had flat feet and, um, the department didn't want him because they were afraid that it would cause some kind of like joint issues later in life. My vet said no. Um, their vet who I met her and talked to her and she's not dipping a weirdo. Um, she's also went to Penn vet and was like some kind of like nationally renowned, like vet when it comes to like dog physical therapy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so she definitely knew more than the average vet in terms of this kind of stuff. She's like, you know, if it's going to cause a problem, this is what it's going to be. And rather than like warranty the dog, we just like, all right, we'll replace him. So our vendor was like, no problem. Replace him. Big deal. And it's because we have a relationship with him. And early on, many, many, many years ago, I, and Eric, and I think even before the podcast, we started the podcast, you told me this, but this business is about the canine side anyway, is about relationships, selling dogs, getting dogs. And because like, you know, County A has a dog, County B that's next door that shares a border doesn't. And they go to County A and say, hey, we at County B want a dog. Where did you get your dog? And they're like, oh, Bobo's canine here. And they're like, cool, we like the dog, even if the dog sucks, right? They don't know any different. And they're like, oh, we'll go there, right? So then, you know, two becomes four, four becomes eight, eight becomes 16, 16 becomes 32, 32 becomes 64, blah, 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 down the line, right? So it is very much a, it is very much a relationship thing. And those relationships need to be fostered over time. And you definitely have to kind of massage some of those. Uh, I don't mean like by giving people their way or like giving people discounts or any of that other shit, but you definitely kind of have to, this is not a normal, like you owe AT&T your cell phone bill. And if you don't pay, they cut your shit off. Like it's not like that at all. And I think people kind of treat it that way sometimes. And and that's not the case. The other thing that I want to point out here is that um, there's a lot of guys and Eric pointed out earlier that they come out of the military or out of law enforcement as the, as a handler, um, probably a, a fairly accomplished handler, did a lot of cool guy shit or did a lot of like cool guy stuff. Um, were very accomplished as a handler, maybe even accomplished as a unit trainer and think that they're going and they have no relationships in law enforcement other than just who they trained with, especially on the military side, have no relationships in law enforcement and think they're going to jump in because they provide a superior product. Eric can tell you, and I can tell you from doing doing seminars all over this country, there are shitty fucking police dogs working and the people were sold. They were sold them like and they had no idea there is you're not buying these dogs based on performance that i can fucking tell you right now something i wanted to point out that kind of is the same track um with dogs and and losing one dog or having one dog come back being devastating to a small kennel um i think something that a lot of people do not carry and should is insurance um it's an expensive upfront cost but having good insurance can help you insulate against um dogs coming back dogs having health issues dogs dying um you know no reason those things are yeah i mean and those are the the things that people don't want to talk about but happen all the time right you have a, a dog we had one over the summer uh, we have videos of him working on Tuesday, videos of him working on Wednesday, videos of him working on Thursday, doing great, put him up, feed him, come back on Friday, dead in his kennel. So immediately we load him up, we take him to OSU, uh, Veterinary Sciences here in Oklahoma, which is one of the only places in Oklahoma that they do canine necropsy. And uh, we wait for the you know, uh, necropsy to come back. Spontaneous death, no explanation, not heat, not, you know, just nothing in his stomach, nothing in his, you know, brain. They just said either heart attack, 
stroke, some kind of spontaneous death. So Something we couldn't have prevented or, or screened for, basically. Right. Exactly. And the vendor you couldn't know, have prevented or screened for. And, and we import through USDA, so all of our dogs are microchipped. Uh, up to date on shots, you know, everything is in line, health, uh, health tested, um, heartworm tested, all of those things before they come in. So, you know, you do all of these things right and something can still go wrong and it can still be devastating. But uh, carrying insurance, uh, we carry insurance both for the loss of client dogs and the loss of our personal, or not personal, but our business inventory. And that policy, we were able to turn it in and get reimbursed for it get a new dog, get it on the way and still make the department happy because the dog was spoken for. So, you know, uh, it can absolutely be devastating, but if you carry the right insurance, you can, you can protect yourself from that. Yeah. And what guys are listening to don't know is there's a lot of, especially larger agencies that you must show them insurance. Yep, uh, you, absolutely. Yeah, and that's a different type of insurance, but yeah, also, yeah, yeah we gotta, have our own. Yeah. We have, you got to have uh, insurance to bid on government contract. There's just a lot of different types of insurance, and it, like Alicia said, it's thousands of dollars up front. I think we have our we have insurance for insurance. I think, don't we, Alicia? Like we. Have... Oh God, we are so 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 covered. You know, if if a lot of people think that they can get away with, uh, it kind of scares me. Some of the insurance that people don't carry, right? Like. If you label people as a contractor, people think they can get away with not having workers' comp. Well. But if he gets hurt on your property, he can sue you and he'll win, you know, so why not carry workers comp? Why not carry um, hazard insurance? Why not carry insurance on the dogs? Why not carry insurance on everything you, you possibly can? I, I carry insurance on Ted just in case he dies. Um, True story. And <laughs> I, we had a workman's comp claim about two months ago and it's worth every fucking penny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> every penny. Every penny that it, we've paid it made for it, it so and, easy. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so one know. thing I'll say here before we take our first commercial break is, um, so it, guys coming out of law enforcement usually don't have a pile of money that they can, you know, buy a bunch of dogs and get everything going, um, and fund it all that way. Some military guys do, you know, they get uh, money sitting in there from signing bonuses and, and things like that. My suggestion to you is to not spend that, not use it. Um, my suggestion All strippers is strippers and blow. Right. Well, blow's bad, but strippers. We're looking at some of our former guests right now. Yeah. <laughs> so don't do that. Um, but my suggestion to you is, and even though maybe your intention is just to do working dogs, that's all you want to do. Um, my suggestion, and I wish I would have done this in the beginning because I came out straight into working dogs. Um, Ted and Alicia were just doing working dogs. Then a business arrangement changed. They had to fund it, you know, kind of start over, fund it, and then now are thriving in it. My suggestion to you is to start training pets first. Um, Absolutely. There is real money in pet dogs, real money. And you will be, we've talked about this before, you will be a better working dog trainer. If you train some pet dogs, uh, you will get much better at pressure. Your timing on your e-collar will get better. You'll, you'll get more finesse and smooth with a leash. Cause you know, I do these seminars all over the country, for the e-collar and a lot of it's on, on a long, with a long line. And it's like watching a monkey trying to fuck a football 
you guys are so bad at leash handling um, because you just haven't touched enough leashes. So you've touched your leash with your dog and you're still not even very good at it. So um, for me, the first day after PowerPoint where we're using negative reinforcement to relayer the e-collar over top of the dog and combining with food and the leash and everything, the guys are like, man, this is my third dog. I feel like a rookie. So um, you'll get much, much, much better. And there is real money. Like there's a lot of people that have, you know, a one person, two person pet dog company that are making, you know, come out of the shoot. And then after two years, they're at like $250,000. That's money people. Like you can, that's obviously that's not everything you're taking, but, and then the pet dog industry just keeps, it grows um, more so than percentage wise, more so than a regular small business does. Um, so my suggestion would be to come out, start training pet dogs, even though that's not your ultimate goal. I was just talking to a guy on the phone about it today. He's like, our business is running very good. Do you, what do you think about, you know, what did you do where I did the reverse? Um, and I wish I would have done it the other way. So think about that, fund it through actual money instead of through your savings account. You know, if you can avoid that, we've all had to do it. I, I, emptied my savings account through COVID and um, rebuild of my facility that I'm at now, because my guy isn't like other, he's just cheap, cheap and, Indian dude. <laughs> and I want to, I want to add something to this too. If you're coming out of the military and law enforcement really, really resist the urge to do personal protection. Yeah. Stay away from it. Stay yeah. away from personal protection. There's a reason why we've had exactly one guest on this podcast that does personal protection and we didn't even talk about it with him. And um, it's a fucking scam. Do not do it. The there are it is a fucking nightmare and it is a nightmare to do. And the the myth is that I mean, Eric and I know a guy um, on California that does actually eric knows him better than i do but that does a great job but it's because of where he's at um because those people can afford to pay you know a shit ton of money for dogs like that but the rest of the country they're not going to do it and their expectations do not line up with dollar signs and you'll come out and think that you're going to be selling 60 70 80 90 175 250 police dogs or i'm sorry personal protection dogs and it ain't gonna happen and it's not. And if it does, that managing that client will become a fucking full time, twenty four seven job, which they didn't oh, yeah. pay you for. And it's a fucking shit I did show. The, it's a nightmare. I did the math at one point about um, having a police dog and pet dogs in the same kennel, uh, in the same run. How much would that oh, run make per year? Um, how much would the, the run, just one run in your kennel make per year if you did all board and train pet clients versus how many uh, canine you could do in the same time? And I think that it was somewhere around $64,000 more a year per run that you could make with that doing pets than you could canine. And that is with time training, food, you know, um, how long they're in your kennel turnover, um, $64,000 more per year that you could make with one run. 
on pets versus canine. And people don't, you know, canine's fun, canine's hot shit, canine's cool. It's a great story. Uh, it's a good, you know, buzz. But I'm telling you, teaching Fifi to piss and shit outside on a leash is where it's at. So I, I try and convince my officers to come over to train for us all the time. Yeah, when we've had the Pergasons on um, from Highland Canine, you know, they run their, their school for dog trainers. And they said that everybody goes to their school, everybody wanting to do working dogs. Yep. And when they're done with the six-month school, all of them do pets because yeah. they they break it all down for them, probably very much like, like you're doing there. That was a very good point. And I get it, guys. I get it. You you – you want to do the working dogs like like Alicia said, it's it's uh cool, it's this and it's your passion, right? It's what you like. I, I get that. Your passion um doesn't pay your creditors. Just keep that in mind. Um it'll keep you in it longer. Keep also know that there there's a three year window in dogs. Employee wise and business owner wise. You have three years. If you stick it out past three years, you'll stay. If you don't, you'll get burned out and you'll quit. Um, like I had a girl yep. working for me on the uh, pet side who I love. She's amazing. Uh, she still comes around all the time. She got a job as a mail carrier, like a pretty steady, you know, good government job. She said, I love dogs. I'm going to quit before I hate them because it was getting there. It was getting close, you know, cleaning shit crates and uh, stuff I like guess that. I, I guess That's I exactly. That. I guess I crossed that threshold a while ago and just <laughs> right. leave. And back and yeah. forth and back and forth. We're in it now. We're, I mean, yeah. that's that's where we're going to be. Um, you know, I, I, I would like to branch out and add businesses, but, you know, I don't know how to do anything else. So, well, right, and it'll, it'll take... oh, sorry, one more thing. No. Yep. Go ahead. It'll, it'll zap that passion, you know, fast. And I think, you know, on that tune, people are like, oh, you know, do you participate in PSA? Do you work a dog? Do you do dog sports? And I, I've reached that point where, you know, Monday through Friday, my entire life is dog. Saturday and Sunday, I want to do anything but. I want to do anything but touch a dog. Look at a dog. <laughs> yeah. And some of you guys will be surprised when you, if you start with the pet dogs, how you actually would, might like it. There's parts of it that, that can be a grind, but you actually might like it because you can really change some people's lives and make a big difference. Um, and remember, God makes dogs every day. There's always dogs coming in, and there is a 1% of those dogs are police dogs in this country. The rest are pets. So, um, Anyways, we're going to go ahead and take our first commercial break. When we get back, we are going to... Talk about uh, Torchlight Canine and the what it's like work running a larger kennel that has a lot of pets and a lot of police dogs and kind of where we're at right now. So stick around and we will be right back. Finish the Hits Canine Training Conference this year in Phoenix and what a great time it was. What a great turnout, great instructions. It, I don't know, like 1,300 guys there. It was amazing. Well, guess what? They're coming back next year, August 21st to the 23rd in New Orleans. You do not want to miss it, guys. I'm telling you, it's amazing. The giveaways, the instruction, the instructors, the uh, hanging around at night, getting to meet people. And Ted and I will both be teaching there. Um, if you check them out, hitscanine.net 
or check them out online. They're everywhere. Hits canine.net. Um, sign up next year. Do not wait. We had a lot of people that waited too long and had to stay at a different hotel than host hotel. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss out. You will not find a larger conference to go to. It is by handlers for handlers. You definitely don't want to miss it out. Hits canine.net. New Orleans 2024. We get it fueling a working dog can be tough, but they need high quality food to give them energy and nutrients that require for work and keep their gut healthy for everything that we ask them to do. Kinetic dog food is a great balance of healthy meats and grains and is made specifically for working and sporting dogs. They have a full line of foods and supplements available. Some of them are actually really cool. They have a weight gainer and they have a, an electrolyte one too, which is, uh, we actually use the kennel. Uh, this is so hot all the time in Oklahoma. Uh, and they've been working to perfect their line with thousands of dogs and hundreds of departments across the U S and you can buy it locally or you can buy it online at Traction Supply and Chewy. So hit them up at Kinetic Dog Food. That's going to be good for Instagram and Facebook. Just spell it out. And then kineticdogfood.com. Or you can send out a text. Like if you have a question, you can call them and just talk to Dave. Area code 513-615-6904. And that dude loves to talk about nutrition labels and what's actually in the food you're feeding versus what they have. So hit them up, Kinetic com. We're pleased to have as a sponsor, Rex Specs Canine. They believe that in any adventure, whether work or play, is better with a dog by your side to keep them protected with you no matter what. Rex Specs designs and manufactures performance driven dog gear for the active and working a dog. Uh, specifically, what do they make though? So if you wanted to get some goggles for the dog, which is great protecting them from UV rays, sticks, seeds, ducks, right? Hunting dogs and rocks. FEMA guys think about tracking or working in thick cover rotor wash uh, dust and sandstorms nasty basements or attics or at the range and specifically they have interchangeable lenses they got a dark one and then they have a clear one uh, used by professionals worldwide one of my favorite things that they actually make is the ear pro it's something that we use all the time so one of the things that we do at our handler schools is we do obedience under gunfire with a handler shooting and with backup shooting and move uh, from target to target and the dogs actually wear the ear pro while we're working all the time and we treat it just like we treat a muzzle. So the dogs will muzzle up where the ear pro where the muzzle we're good to go. It knocks it down between 18 and 24 decibels, all made in quality in the United States. Rex specs, R E X S P E C S.com at Rex specs, canine letter K number nine on Instagrams and the Facebook working dog radio for your 20% off. All right, everybody. We'll be, we're back. Working dog radio broadcasting the bite. Fuck. I, uh, when we were sitting here during the commercial break, I, Ted was about to make a smart-ass remark. I talked him out of it. So I don't know what it was, but you could see you, you could see, see the hamster in the, the wheel. The, the vein on my forehead is sticking out. Uh, yeah. I was like, nope, don't do it. Don't say it. So uh, we're here with uh, Ted and Alicia from Torchlight Canine. Ted is uh, the co-host of the podcast, of course. Alicia is also one of the owners and the um, producer and editor of the podcast. Uh We've been, all three of us been doing this since February of 18. Um, they have several businesses. I got several businesses. We have a lot going on together. Um, but what we're specifically talking about now is um, work is working in and running um, police dog kennels of various sizes. I went over in the first segment, just some tips about the small end of the business. Um, small being it was just me and eight kennels and i still did 
Well, in 22, which was my last full year doing it, I did 68 dogs. So for one person, not bad. A lot of green dogs, but still um, humping all the time and then still having to, to run the um, pet dog side of the business. At this point now, I am we're busy enough that I actually can't like get dogs out and rep them like I would want. You know, like we're doing build out, expanding at the building we're at. It's me. I'm tearing up floors and doing all that other shit so that they can do all the other stuff. So anyways, um, back when I first started uh, talking to Ted and Alicia, it was a long time ago. They had Torchlight Canine. They had a, a business partner and things were, you know, doing whatever. I uh, don't even know how many kennels there were at the time, but. Then the business changed, the business partnership changed, um, and they found themselves starting over, basically. You split from a business partner, they go their way, you go your way, they still have the name Torchlight, and they started over. And uh, what we talked about in the first segment was kind of funding, funding your canine stuff through pets. So they started doing Torchlight Pets, and immediately it took off quick, like real quick. And they were able to, things just worked out like for good people, stuff works out. I, I, I really believe that. And they kept at it and got themselves a different facility and with the right guy, uh, as far as the facility owner. And, um, then now I, I, I really do believe when you're rolling and you're feeling good and you've gotten yourself out of a hole, then things start happening for you, right? People started coming back around and now. They, they had a couple dogs and the, uh, police dogs and then they had a few and then they had five and then they had se- and then the class that you, Ted just started uh, last, this week is 20. Well, it was supposed to be like 17, but we had some push off and some pay late and some like handlers change minds and whatever else. So I think I'm at 14 right 14. now. 14 yeah, is a lot. Right <sighs> yeah, it's yeah, a lot. It's still a lot. Um, it's a lot, and so we're splitting them into groups, and it's split between single purpose. Some of them track, some of them don't, and then we've got mm-hmm. obviously dual purpose the track, and so yeah, it's a lot. And then I'm dealing with um, handlers from three states, Oklahoma or four states. I'm sorry, Oklahoma, Kansas, Arkansas, and Indiana. So I've got three judicial districts in that, and then I'm also dealing with um, like differing timelines, and it is not an easy thing. Um, to do and getting enough reps in and making sure that all the reps are good and that all of our dogs in the same place. So I'm not doing remedial training and I don't have a handler that's like super ahead of everybody or dog handlers have everybody and like they're kind of goofing off and doing nothing. So it's not easy to do a class that size. Um, Right. No, no. I did one at the police department with 10 dogs by myself and there was two retreads, one retread in there, a handler on a second dog. Um, and that was at the police department. That was, uh, still tough. I, I threw a lot of shit and yelled and cussed and screamed a lot. So (laughs) real quick, let's talk about, so when you guys got the, uh, torchlight pets rolling, you went from the employees at the old place were just, were you guys a partner and maybe one other person. Right. And what you had to learn on the fly pretty quickly about, getting people the right people managing people how did you find those people and then we'll move into the working dog side well you know first of all it was easy you know to to find um 
Uh, no. I won't say easy. It was tough. Yeah. It was tough. No, that's a lie. It was really tough. Uh, uh, you know, say. Uh, once you find out your business partner is stealing and you sue him into the ground, um, Ted and I really, Ted and I have been business partners now, uh, what, I think we're on our 13th, 14th year. Um, and we really set out to, to make a difference. Um, and so uh, he is an amazing trainer. He's got that part down. I do all the back of the house, all of the boring stuff, all the tax, all the compliance, all the licensing, um, collecting. Um, and staying in our lane really helped um, because it allows us to grow just those specific areas. It's kind of like you said, Eric, you do everything. You're a one man show. So you're invoicing, you know, at night and then you go to the kennel and you're working here. And, and we've both done that. But once we were able to split it, and he does what he's good at, and I do what I'm good at. We're able to grow that area and focus so much. You know how many times it. a day I say that's an Alicia question, <laughs> or I say to, don't ask to, me, ask Ted. Right to both staff and police departments, where I'm like, <laughs> they're like, they, I'm like, that's an Alicia question to call her. I don't know. You know when I when I told him I wanted to get into pets, we had um, we were really picking up the pieces. We had moved. Um, the building was an empty shell. I mean, it was just a, a warehouse with nothing, no walls, no, you know, we did deconstruction of like the old bathroom, the pink bathroom that was in it. So I was doing that. We were both cleaning in the mornings. He was training. Um, and we had one canine client. And then uh, we started very slowly to market like on Facebook and we got one pet. Then that one pet became two and that two became four. Um, we invested in advertising right off the bat, I think is very, very important. Um, it always kills me when someone says, I just, I word of mouth. I, I have word of mouth. I, I get that. We're talking about you, pets. Use that, use advertising, advertise, because that will bring your clients in the door and feed, you know, your machine. And really, that's what you need is is to feed your machine. Um, we started I joke small. and I tell people, I say it is not Kevin Coster in the field of dreams. That, that it's is not. not. If you build it, they not, won't come. That, that is not how this works. I don't so. care what you build. They will not come unless you tell people you're there. You know, pay good money to advertise in the right avenues um, and do it from the very beginning. Tighten your belt and invest that money in advertising. And I don't care if your place looks really cool yet. Don't look cool before you have business. Pay I'll be honest bills. with you. When <clears throat> it's it's really hard to spend money on things like Google AdWords, even though or like Instagram or Facebook advertising, even though it's super important. And the reason it's hard, and I'm going to say this if you're listening to this, just hear me now and believe me later. It's because it's not tangible. Right, like you give somebody money, and you see and not nothing a, back. Not not an insignificant amount, and it seems like fucking voodoo magic for it to work. And you're like, man, I don't know, like if this is like, I don't know if this is legit or not. So it feels weird, right? So at the same time, Alicia's describing what's going on. We're also in a in a lawsuit with our former business partner, where we ended up spending about. 75 to 80,000 dollars over two years to deal with that. Um, 
on and that's money that should have gone into the building that should have gone into buying dogs that should have gone into hiring employees that should have gone into building kennels and instead we were suing our former fucking business partner because he's a piece of shit so in my mind that's also a non-tangible thing i often tell people that i would i hate attorneys and i would rather just go light the money on fire on my front lawn and it would get much more enjoyment out of it and at least i would get some heat and i would watch it burn um but it's a very similar thing and there is a very tangible benefit so i know it seems like you're like fuck man fifteen hundred dollars you want to spend fifteen hundred dollars like what am i going to get back from that how can i how what is the return on investment that i can see and it is there i promise i swear to god just somebody that hates spending that money i will tell you that it is there paying yeah, for those oh go ahead the google adwords man um and and in this industry in the pet side any any anyways google works yeah um, it does it what does. I it find doesn't work does. is is flyers and nah. billboards and that shit. I found none of that ever. Leaving worked. your business cards places. That yeah. Work. Try we tried it all, One right? Of, we we yeah. humped all that. Yeah. One of the biggest wastes that I hate seeing is people go vote on me for best of the best in whatever oh. city you're in, right? Yeah. And I'm sorry to the people who do that. I get it, but it's such a a con because you don't make it into that whatever name your city magazine unless you've paid to be there so it's an advertisement and then you advertise in this best of best and then they uh, give you a link and people vote on you so you get all your friends and your relatives and your grandmothers to click 50 times a day and vote and then you go I'm best of the best but it didn't bring you anything it brought you no return. return and it cost a couple thousand dollars. Google AdWords, invest, invest 2,000, 3,000, 5,000, whatever. Invest in it. You'll see that return. You'll get those clicks. And it's not cheating. It is giving your business an edge. And then the customer comes to you and you still have to land them. Your personality, your talking to them, making sure you know what you're you're talking about, being personable, all of those things are so important. But give yourself an edge. My God, you know, stop saying, oh, well, you know, if people like me, they'll tell their friends. Yes, they will tell five friends. Or you could pay $1,000 to tell 75 friends, 80 friends, 120 friends. And those people are going to call you because they're looking specifically for a dog trainer today. So... so did you guys have um well I'll, I'll say this real quick if if you come out and you're going to start doing so when i first started uh doing the pet stuff i was a board and train trainer i was doing it so you know i'm paying myself with that and then some of it's going into the business and then i had a, uh one trainer then two then i ended up getting up to 12. nine of them worked outside the building as board and train trainers that's the way i started when i started growing that's a mistake if you guys are gonna do the pet stuff get your employees in the building the, there's more money for the business if the business doesn't make money there is no business right and i'm learning that and i'm backtracking and trying to make some changes um i have you know uh my buddy rich says i'm not gonna have a bunch of g-wagon rich trainers riding around while i'm you know drinking two buck chuck so you 
start start if you have a little little facility like we open Ridgeside Canine Pittsburgh and it's just for us it's just um Google Ads and doing the um you know getting board and trained trainers to do it but what I'm finding is in Pittsburgh I need a, a location so we had to back up back off of that because that's down the road like you know uh, real estate in, in Pittsburgh is not cheap so get it in the building. Um, and I'll say this, any complaint I've ever had about training or a trainer is, um, 100% of those have been the outside trainers. Not one single building trainer has ever had a single complaint. I have a manager there to manage that, you know, but, um, and, and Aaron Taylor from Ridgeside owns, you know, he's, uh, owns the original Ridgeside. He owns the the licensing and everything. He says the same thing. All all the complaints come from outside trainers. The building gets zero. So something for you to keep in mind. You might it might be just you though. It it might be just you. Cool. However, if you're twenty eight years old, thirty whatever, at some point you're gonna you're gonna do board and trains for the next twenty five years. Or are you going to try to grow to where you're working on the business and not in the business, right? So there's some some things to think about there. Um, I don't, I haven't done, I do very, only one board and train a year myself. And it's usually uh, an insistence on a family friend or something like that, you know? Um, so anyways, when you guys started, I think I remember one of the things you did that, that I, I only did one intern but i know you guys had some interns for a while that you were able to parlay into some employees or get or i know one guy moved on i think and did his own thing but um talk about that how that helps if you can get that internship absolutely uh i i mean i very much believe i think you know one of the biggest things that we all put in to this is sweat equity um, not that anybody is ever going to be as invested in your business as you are. I mean, that just is a given, right? But you will get people who passionately love dog training. Um, there's a, a school not far from us that, you know, puts out posts every once in a while. Like I've got people graduating. Does anybody need, you know, employees? So these, these kids are going through dog training school. They want to do this. But the one place that we start all of our employees is as a either unpaid or low paid intern. Um, I don't mind paying interns, but they're going to make a little bit of money to clean a lot of messes. They're going to start with scooping and cleaning kennels and learning how to do that properly, learning how to walk dogs properly, go into kennels properly, leash up dogs properly. Um, and then they're going to train under our head trainer and Ted. Um, and they're going to earn their stripes before they ever, you know, start training dogs for us. And that'll start with clicker training and pet stuff. And, and then that segues into being able to take dogs home. And then that segues if they want to go further into canine. Um, but they, they don't just hop into canine with us. I want to make sure that, that they do the grunt work um, and that they're passionate about it before we ever hand them off to Ted um, because Ted, um, 
basically tells them that their dogs will eat their corpse and I can't let him just scare them out of the gate. So we have to, you know, we have to kind of segue that, but I, I want to make sure that they're loyal to us, that they do the work, um, that they're hard workers, they're self-motivated and there's nothing like having to clean a blowout at, you know, nine o'clock at night after a tough day that is going to tell us whether or not you're going to, you know, remain loyal. So finding some guys to start as interns is, is great. Um, getting them out of school or um, we've had a really good amount of fortune finding a really good team. Um, kids that are hungry, kids that want to know what it's like to decoy, but, but stay for the rest. I mean, we've really been fortunate in that, but they have all started right there. So Highly yeah, and, and you know, in in that that kind of like vetting process, and I that's what I call it, um, has a lot to do with if they fit into like how we do things. Um, there's a lot of people that have some training experience, and this goes for canine as well. There's a lot of there's a lot of canine trainers that are fucking terrible, uh, like that are fucking awful, like criminally bad, um, and should be held accountable. Um, there's a lot. There's even more pet trainers that are just as bad or worse. And they've been doing it that bad for that for a long time. Right. And the reason that they're not successful is because they fucking suck. So they come to a larger facility like ours and say, oh, I want a job and I've been doing it for a long time. And with the canine side, I tend to be quite a bit more frank with people. And I'm like, well, fuck, if you've been doing it for this long, you should be better than you are. Right. So which doesn't ever always end up well. Um and typically I've heard of them or I know of them or whatever beforehand. Um, but for the most part, you know, I'm like, then why haven't you, why haven't you had any success? Like I'll flat out ask people that like, why haven't you been born? Why aren't you selling more dogs? Why aren't you more successful? Like flat out, like what's your problem? Um, on the pet side, I'm a little more kid glovey um, because I'm dealing with people that are not quite as like indoctrinated or whatever you want to call it into that culture. Um, and then I really like the, if the first person somebody asked me is like, what does it pay? I'm like, get the fuck out of my face. Like, I don't, I won't say that, but, um, you know, the economy has changed so much even after pre COVID and then even during COVID and after in this current generation, like my parents' generation are still not retiring. So there's not a ton of jobs. People have a ton of debt, like COVID fucked everyone over. It was a, it's a fucking nightmare. Right. So like people are doing a lot of things that they're not necessarily like our traditional jobs, I guess is the best thing that the best way to describe it. And that can apply to like a lot of things across the board, but I think this is kind of one of those deals. So like, you kind of have to want to be here or be at the get, you kind of have to want to do this. Um, and that said, we do pay them well. Um, we pay them well for what they do and how much they work. Uh, and I have no problem with that, but it's not, like an easy job um and i think a lot of people just think that there's a lot of shit that you don't do just like in canine everybody thinks all we do is fucking high speed shit all day and like i spent a lot of time teaching dogs to fucking sit in canine either sit for odor sit at a door to tell me somebody's behind it like we do a shit ton of obedience we do a ton of line management we spend a lot of time tracking we spend a lot of time not biting like i, I mean i would say most of the time we're training police dogs like 80 percent of the time is not biting like even maybe even more than that. So it's the utility of the fact and the people, there's a bitch, a bunch of misconceptions about like what that, what that is and what it's not. So the other side is that they have experience. Uh, I'm surrounded, or Alicia and I are surrounded by a bunch of trainers here locally. Um, in Tulsa, we're probably one of the only balanced trainers um, in the States or in this region for sure. 
we have a lot of people that default to the um, kind of like a, one of the large, the huge franchises where they're going to slap an e-collar on a dog, on a pet dog before they, before the owner gets out of the damn parking lot and start just using escape training. And then I have the other side, which is even worse, which are people that vehemently oppose any sort of intervention when it comes to tools and it's all about clicks and treats and fucking pets and whatever else. And those people only take certain types of dogs. We are the only facility locally that I'll take. We will take anything. If you have a pet and you want it trained, I don't give a shit what it is. We can do it. I don't have any preconceived. Pre like, obviously we have a questionnaire that we give people like what's going on. Like, why are we doing this and what's going on? What do you need us to do? But we put no limits on like, if you've got a dog, that has got severe human aggression. Cool. I got it. Severe resource aggression. No problem. Just a general dickhead. Cool. No big deal. You have a foo-foo dog that doesn't like to poop outside. Also, we can do that. I don't put any limitations on it. We're one of the few that does that. Um, and because like we'll do it and we can do it well and my trainers and alicia and i's trainers can do it well um and like we Eric don't take emotional all... support animals oh. you said that just to fucking trigger me didn't you like <laughs> yeah i'm not even yeah. gonna fucking go down that road so um you know and eric says this you know it, it's not about um you totally fucked me up, Alicia. Like I always had a point right, to make, my bad. and you like, you know, when we take don't when we take problem cases, um, like we'll do it and we'll do it in the way that needs to be done. But we we have taken cases in the past that um, have been suggested for behavioral euthanasia by multiple veterinarians and by other trainers in town, and we take the dog, and thirty days later, it's like it never existed. Yeah. And for those of you who are getting in, you know, thinking about like we're talking about starting off with pets, um, at some point you will get uh, behavioral cases, people calling you. Um, it's more than 50 percent of, of what we get. Um, Absolutely. And then once you be once you start doing nice work with it and don't don't think just because you knew from army that what that you could put a choke chain on the dog and you're just gonna walk that dog around with a toy uh, and your shoulder or whatever that you're gonna be training pet dogs that way it's not gonna happen none of them are gonna work for a toy none of them so mm -hmm. you got to get better at that type of stuff but don't don't be afraid in the very beginning when it's just you to say no that's i have never trained a dog with multiple human bites you know or a dog that's so reactive that he turns and nails the the owner on a regular basis um that m you have to you have to study the nice thing about 2024 is you can learn anything online yeah. and through other people uh take seminars take all that stuff i still you know ted and i when we go to hits for example we're in class. We go to classes. I like to go learn from different people and different things. Um, I, I watch pet dog trainers online and pick up little things from them. And I encourage my people to do the same. So um, talk about when, so now how many, how many pet runs do you guys have? Like how many can you do in the building on the pet side at this point? Uh, we've got 16 uh, big kennels, 16, five by five on the inside. Mm. And then we have, um, 12 day kennels 
um, smaller. Um, but, you know, I would say on average, because we allow our trainers to take pets home too. So they've each got two to three in their homes that they're doing board and train on that they make the majority of their money on. Um, and then the kennel will have, I don't know, somewhere between three and eight on a good, you know, typical. Um, so I'd say probably 25, 30 a month, somewhere like That's that. That's pretty good. So yeah. if you're, if you're a one, if you're one guy and then maybe you have a couple employees and they're doing three, four dogs at a time in the building or outside the building, you, and say you're even doing a few, you can't, um, do the client billing, getting the vet records taken care of, working the CRM, getting everything, all that stuff going. You, you, you can't do it. You're, you're not going to be able to do it all. So you have to have an Alicia or somebody. So think about that as you're going into it. You know, um, for me, um, for a while, my wife, Lori was doing that stuff working for us. And, uh, she still, she does the invoicing for police dogs and things now. I don't have to, so I don't have to do that. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> I got into it with a, <laughs> with a client's boyfriend who's a firefighter and, um, you know, being a former cop, I just had to break his balls. And <laughs> so I ended up like challenging him to come down to the facility type deal. And so now I'm not allowed to do that type of stuff so much anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I have, man I have banned. Yeah. I have managers. Um, I have a manager on the training side and I have a manager on the sales side who handles that stuff that costs money, right? That, that stuff's yeah. expensive, but you, at some point guys, you're not going to be able to do it yourself. Um, when we, uh, we're going to take our, our next commercial break. When we get back, I'm, I'd like you guys to talk the day to day working kennel, what it's like on the training side, how you have to listen. I know Ted, you're the head trainer and everything, but you also are, are business owner and there's, there's things you have to deal with um, how you bring your people up, how, how you found some of those folks. And then Alicia, all the shit that people don't know on the police dog side happens in the background. Mm -hmm. oh, fuck. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yep. Sure. <laughs> you got a list. I'm, I'm on it. Yeah, I'm on yeah. it. You know? Man. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a second. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't fast forward through the commercials. And I know you do, but and if you do, don't fucking inbox me and ask me what the codes are. So we'll be back in a you second. You miss all the discount codes. All right, some of our oldest sponsors are the Pergasons down in North Carolina at Highland Canine Training. We love those folks. We see them everywhere. All the stuff that we do, we go to. We have a good time with them. But the fact is they're really good dog trainers. They're really good dog people. They got full courses uh, in person and online. They got a trainer, uh, dog trainer's course uh, that you can go down there and learn how to train working dogs, uh, pet dogs, everything. Uh, they do a lot of business stuff on there. Um, but one of the best things they have is an online supervisor course. The course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs, handlers, proper deployment, and FLSA issues. 30% off with that with a discount code WDR30. Great people down there. They know their stuff. Uh, TacticalPoliceK9Training.com is the website. TacticalPoliceK9Training.com. WDR30 for 30% off the online supervisor's course. Guys, you need to get on there and check them out. They are great. Highland Canine Training, 
Don't miss out. One of the longtime sponsors of the show is Dr. Eric and I are actually both field staff guys. So uh, Dr. has been committed for over 20 years to crafting training college to perfect precise fit and finish and intuitive design and, account- and accountable performance. The 1900 SE collar demonstrates what they strive for, which is an ultimate dog training tool that is durable, dependable, and designed for the most demanding conditions. And I actually use this thing at the kennel. They have the new black one that has the lock and the boost feature on it as well, as well as the hands-free, which we use a ton. If you guys follow me on social media, you see that I use that during tracking. and We do that negative reinforcement trick, which is what the, the collar that we're using. The other thing is the YS600. So funny fact, that stands for yo, shut up. The number of times that you won't have to say it because it works every time. So use the discount code WDR10 for 10% off any single item over 200 bucks. And of course, they also have the popper and the dropper, which I think I have five of that can I use all the time. So hit them up, dogtra.com, WDR10 for 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. It's no secret that Eric and I love Ray Allen Canine Equipment. We use their products every single day. The mission statement says it all. To be a world leader in quality and innovation of professional canine equipment for police, military, Schutzen, and ring sport. To exceed our customers' expectations and to deliver on time every time at a fair price. We full-heartedly believe they held true to that. Since it's our go-to one-stop shop for everything. Like, they literally have everything but the dog, the handler, and the patrol vehicle. Everything else, they got. They got it covered. So hit them up at Ray Allen dot com at Ray Allen canine on the socials. They got a new training app and they got new product collaborations. Oh, and we have a new discount code Ram WDR like Ram R A M WDR like working dog radio Ram WDR for 10% off hit them up Ray Allen.com. It's no secret that I love my ALM suit from Arnaud out at ALM canine equipment in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. I've had that thing forever. Eric affectionately refers to it as my Carhartt suit because it's so thin. <laughs> uh, I've had multiple sleeves put back on it, send it back to Arno. He fixes me up every single time. The fit and finish is top notch, and it fits me like a glove. I refuse to go anywhere without it. I work sport dogs and PSA without it. I just did a trial in California wore that thing. I work police dogs pretty much every day of the week, and then I use it for personal protection dogs as well. So hit ALM canine equipment up on Instagram and Facebook, and then go to AL. M K nine letter K number nine equipment.com and use the discount code W D radio for 10% off of your first order. And this is completely custom. So made to measure, pick your colors, whatever you want to do. Arno will work with you. You can make it as thin or as thick as you want, but hit them up. ALM K nine equipment.com. Dreamed of having your own kennel, but don't know where to start. Horizon structures has taken all of the guesswork out of building a kennel. Everything is pre-built to your specifications and preferences and then assembled and dropped off on your land. Boom, new kennel. Hooked up to your electric, hooked up to your water, put dogs in it that day. And those things are amazing. You've got to see them to truly believe them. Get on the website, horizonstructures.com. You can custom build. You can buy one that's already built. Go off of their design. Come up with your own design. They'll work with you. Uh, They always are running discounts on the website with ready-to-go kennels. The kennels are already ready to go. There's always discounts. Horizonstructures.com. Check them out. All right, everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Hope you guys uh, checked out our sponsors. We got Rex Specs on there as a new sponsor. Um, we have a lot of cool things. Uh, Rex Specs, I, I, I got to tell you, man, the pictures we get on dogs are freaking hilarious, those things. I man. love the <laughs> Yeah, pictures. they're awesome, man. Yeah. They're so cool. 
have a good time with it. They're very functional. Like um, somebody pointed out to me, um, who was somebody at one of my seminars. It was, it was a uh, lady who's, who does um, some sport work and things like that. She said on the Rexpex website, they get pretty in depth on dogs eyesight and how they see and how they don't see and different things like that. And uh, so she sent me a link to it. There's pretty fascinating stuff in there. Um, you know, most of us go off by what we see, you know, I, I don't think dogs have depth perception very well. And especially compared to us, I don't think they see like in 4d kind of the way we do. Um, dark rooms can completely befuddle them at a door, but smoke. On, yeah. Right. And on Rex specs on their website, they have all, a lot of that stuff broken down on there. So it's a pretty good, Thing for you guys to go check out okay so we're talking about running dog businesses um i'm gonna turn it over to to ted and alicia to talk about so torchlight went from you know doing a, a decent amount of business to uh really growing quickly when you guys got back in from the lawsuits and stuff exponentially growing to being the the area's number one place best of voted best of Best of dog trainers. And, yeah, voted yeah, best of when it matters with money. Only cost $2,000. Yeah. Voted best of when it comes to matters, not votes and fucking dollars. Anyway. So there's two yeah. parts of the business. Uh, of uh, There's the training side, and which is kennel too. And then there's the person who has to do the invoices, send the emails, follow up, try to get paid, uh, contracts, pay the insurance and all that stuff. So uh, if you guys want to talk about where you're at now, like what that like? Uh, I guess I'll go first. So kind of day to day, like I show up in the morning uh, about 8, 830. Um, staff gets there between 8 and 815 ish. Should be there about 8. Um, and then the first thing to do is clean inside runs, uh, sterilize everything with uh, Wizzy Wash, which they don't sponsor the podcast, but they should. If you're listening, Wizzy Wash good at us because uh yeah eric and i could both use a lot of that um and then we use kennel saw um, on certain things right so our kennel has drains cut into the floor that feed straight into the sewer both inside and outside which is super nice um once that's done um if i don't have handler skills going on we move right into either getting it for tracking or detection work for the police dogs working green dogs on a timeline having them ready for pickup and we're constantly working um and assessing problems with my kennel manager jaden who's awesome uh, and, um, deciding like where dogs are at, loading them into the van, uh, the big Mercedes van that we bought, um, that thing holds like 10 kennels so we can load 10 asshole police dogs in there at a time to go track, do detection work, whatever else. Um, and then my pet tanners, um, some of them kind of go back and forth between canine and, uh, pets. They have their individual pets that they're in homes that they bring and work. And then they're working the kennel pet dogs as well. Um, so they'll take field trips with the dogs and go back and forth to like a shopping area that's really close to it. it's a super high end shopping area. Or they go to like Home Depot, um, come back while we're working the police dogs. And it really depends on how many police dogs we have. Like right now, we have almost no green dogs because they all got delivered and we have more coming in. Uh, so we focus a lot right now on handler school and then pet dogs. Um, and then. You know, we break for lunch for a little bit, come back and assess and work on some other things like um, some of the obedience for some of the police dogs and or obedience on all the pet dogs and getting multiple reps in. Um, and then 
you know, about three thirty four, I head back to the house. I have back to my house and I have work on emails. I work on office stuff that Alicia sent me like this and this and this, and this needs to be done. And then for the last like four or five months, I've been working on getting our um, 501 off the ground, which is taking a shit ton of work. And it's a pain in the ass, especially during COVID after all the stuff the IRS put in place. And it is a nightmare, uh, but it is now up and working it requires a ton of work. Um, so yeah. And then I'm kind of like answering people on Instagram or whatever, where everybody, people are texting me and, you know, answering questions there. Um, and then by then, you know, it's normally five, six, seven o'clock at night. Um, if we don't have a recording here, um, then I just don't really do a whole lot. Now on one night a week, I have in-service training. So I leave halfway through the day at about noon. And then I go back from five to nine and I have my local canine teams come and we train, do all the phases of tracking, detection, narcotics, or detection, bag work, all that kind of shit for all the police dogs. So those nights are really long. Those days are long. So they start early and, and late. Um, and Alicia has her own checklist of shit that I don't have to worry about. All the things. I do all <laughs> the boring shit. Um, so typically... Um, you know, I'll kind of give people a little bit of advice. First of all, you need to set yourself hours. Being self-employed, um, especially for the first five or six years that Ted and I were in this, it was 24 hours a day. I didn't care if people called me at 3 a.m. I want your business. I need your money. I'm going to be available to it. But at some point, you lose friends. You lose relationships. You lose hair. Um, and you have to set you know, clear boundaries. So um, making sure that I answer the phone typically between 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. And that's it. Um, on Saturdays, I'll answer the phone from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. And on Sundays, I will not answer the phone call, but I will return a text if it's an emergency, obviously. My employees, Ted, they can call me and text me anytime. But even Ted and I are really good about not bugging each other on the weekends. His weekends are his, my weekends are mine. And if we really need something, we'll send each other a text. So, um, you know, making sure boundaries are set like that, I think is really important. And people don't do that when they're self-employed. Um, I do every phone call unless I am off work. I will take every phone call. I want every lead. I don't care if it's police side or pet side. I answer them all. I think that's one big thing that our industry is missing is most people are dog people and they're great with dogs. That's why we're in this, but they're not good people, people. So answering a phone call, talking to a client, and especially pet clients, some of them will cry. Some of them will tell you how it's affecting their marriage. They will, um, you know, the, the dog's going to cause a divorce. I mean, we've, we've had some knockdown drag out fights in our parking lot between couples. So taking their phone calls and listening to them, making sure you make valid suggestions to them about your programs that you're not just like, come in and I'll sell you to dog training and do things will be fine. I'll put a new collar on your dog. We'll be good. Talking to them about what they want. We have trainers who are balanced and we have trainers who are more on the positive side so we can help them. You know, if they don't want their dog to wear an e-collar or we can have them come in and try the e-collar on their arm if they want to know how it feels and talk to them about e-collar work. So really giving clients time. Uh, I have an office girl who is amazing. She does all of our collecting of our um, trainers on Tuesdays and Fridays have to update clients. So they'll do pictures and videos. And that way the client does not bug you all the time. 
seven days a week, that client will text you and be like, how's my dog? How's my dog? How's my dog? Or you can set really clear boundaries up front and tell your clients on these days you get full updates and then it gives them something to look forward to and it kind of clears your plate for not having to stop everything that you do every five minutes and take a client phone call to check on their dog. Um, so Jillian gets all of that together. She does all of our compliance stuff, making sure that you're organized using scheduling systems like Acuity. Uh, there's a couple of good ones out there, but use a scheduling system so that you have a link that you can send your client that captures all of their information, name, email address, telephone number, regular address, veterinary records, et cetera, et cetera. Um, making clear contracts with your clients so that they know what to expect and they know what you're going to do. Um, a big thing that helped us was getting a scale. You know, oh. we had a client that um, got really mad at us. They picked their dog up and they took their dog to the vet. And they said, my dog has lost 12 pounds. And I said, there's absolutely no way. And thank God that we have a scale at the kennel. And so on the day that they came, we weigh the dog. On the day they go home, we weigh the dog. Sometimes in the middle of the training, we weigh the dog just to make sure. Training is stressful. Dogs lose weight. Um, we, and we it turned out, out the dog had gained two. Yeah, we point out a lot of times, too, when people drop the dogs off, that most pet dogs are overweight as it is. And we tell them, yo, your dog, well, I, if I'm there, I'll say, hey, your dog's fat. He's going to lose weight while he's here, which doesn't go over well. Jaden and Alicia are a little better, and, and Sadie and Lisa and Kirsten, all our staff, are better about being like, okay, well, you know, we're going to put him on a regimen, and he's only going to eat for this and that. So, you know, he may he may get back to a healthy weight, where me, I'm just like, he's fucking fat. He's going to lose weight. And I, so I don't. That's, why, that. can't, that's but, why Ted can't talk to clients. <laughs> yeah, I do the same yeah. thing. Ted, Ted was barred. Uh, he was barred from talking to clients after one woman was in there talking about her dog. And, and Ted just nonchalantly looked at her and said, well, you know, if, if you died, uh, your dog would eat your corpse in three days. And I said, I'm please, please leave. Um, she, she please walk away. The dog, the, the dog loved her, and I was like, "No, he wouldn't. No, he doesn't. He doesn't love you. He would eat you if you die." So after it's after crazy. he told the uh, client that it would eat her corpse, we we had to ground Ted from that, which is fine because that's my part anyway. But um, you know, setting boundaries, having safety protocols, making sure that your uh, trainers call you if the dog is hurt. Uh, if the dog looks ill, if the dog, you know, sneezes, I don't care. You know, there's a respiratory um, thing going on and making sure that we um, communicate that with the client um, is huge, you know. Um, so I take all the phone calls. Uh, we use Gusto as a payroll processor, makes everything easy. It sends all of the compliance stuff to your trainers. Um, so your trainers sign on, they manage their own, you know, payroll, um, and, uh, you just, you enter all the numbers and pay them. You can do that as a contractor or as a full-time employee. We offer both and our employees can choose which path they want to take. Um, we carry all of the insurances and licensing, making sure you're compliant with that. Um, bookkeeping, God, bookkeeping. Having a P&L, making sure that you update it, making sure that, you know, 
as you grow, you're going to need financing. You're going to need to finance something at some point. So making sure that your records look good, making sure your credit looks good, your business credit. Um, obviously, personal credit and business credit go hand in hand, but a lot of people don't know that they can build business credit and buy things on business credit and with business credit and not have to have it on your personal stuff. So keeping your credit shit tight is really important. Um, I take, uh, Jillian does all of our office stuff. Um, we have someone who runs our social media, so I don't have to do that anymore. That used to be on my plate and we've, we've since been able to hand that off, making sure that you're making good posts, that your trainers are providing good pictures, setting your pictures up so that they, um, they look professional, that your content is good. Um, taking introductory pictures of the dogs you guys bring in, taking graduation photos or happy family photos is important. Um, and then when I do, you know, talks with departments, I treat them the same way I treat our pet clients. I treat them professionally and with respect, and I talk to them about what they want. The biggest thing is returning their calls on time and their emails promptly. I can't tell you how many canine guys tell me, um, you know, I, I went to this bigger kennel and I can't get them to call me back. I guess they don't want to sell one dog. Like I know that we're not that big, but you know, I want your money. I want your business and I'm going to spend time with you. All of our handlers have my phone number, my personal phone number to text me for anything compliant, anything medical, veterinary, um, any of, of their paperwork, chip information. I don't care what it is. Text me at 3 a.m. I'm going to answer my officers. Ted, um, had, they all have Ted's phone number to text him at any time for training information, for uh, legal information. I am, you know, these guys are asking me to do this at 3 a.m. Is that something I should do? And Ted's like, absolutely not. Um, so being prompt to respond to your prospective client or client um, and continuing that relationship on is super important. And, and that's kind of my wheelhouse too. So I think that's, you know, that's probably a lot of why our business has grown so much. Um, and that's, that's what we do every day. That's what I do every day. So it's repetitive and not always fun. I've spent the last four and a half days just getting financial shit, tax shit, everything, you know, it's, it's tax season is upon us, which is hell. Um, but I'm prepared for it this time. So it's going to be kind of easy to hand that over and say, please God, find all of the deductions that you can. I'm thinking about adopting children. If anybody out there is listening, just so I can have a write off. Oh. Nice. I like it. Yeah. I was, I made a face. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm adopting children, one? Ted. Yeah. Gonna, they're going to be at the kennel. Then, well, I was going to say, you can send them to the kennel. We don't have to fucking pay them then. Perfect. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You can write off X number of thousands per year with exactly. them. So apparently um, you can't e-collar condition them though. No, nah, that's bullshit. Uh, um, you just go on a tribal land. You can do it. You can do anything there. <laughs> so, I am native American. Um, I can I do this. <laughs> do it. Um, yeah, like, uh, so there's an agency in Tennessee, a large agency that called me out, you know, one day and I answered my phone. And, um, oh shit, three, four years later, they have bought 16 dogs from me. So basically, it's like $160,000 because I answered my phone and they said the other places didn't answer and didn't call them back. And this is a, you know, a large department. I ended up with a, a very nice relationship with those guys. Um, 
they've been to my house, you know, and I've been to their houses and, and that's just stuff you do. Um, the weird thing about this business is, um, dealing with on the police side is dealing with people who are spending not their own money. And yes, so they act like it's their money. Good Lord. And they act like if they don't spend it, they get to keep it. Like but they get it a bonus at the end of the year. It's not their money. So talk collecting, uh, collecting well, from them. Yeah. So what does it look like with you guys from start to finish when uh agency calls you, Hey, uh, we need, we need a, um, a pre-trained dog, a dog, a dual purpose, pre-trained dog, no class, just the dog. Uh, we have our own trainer. What does that look like from start until payment? So I, I will say this there. It's very, very rare for us to sell a dog that does not come through a handler school in this state. Um, I'd say out of all of the dogs, and I will we sold say last year, she needs to hold on a second. I need to interject. We so, it's because of our state statute. And you have to have a handler school to even qualify to test to get right. certified. And we have a mandatory state certification. So that's part of the reason why. So good. Continue. Yes. So we do sell, we do sell green dogs, but pre-trained is, is not big for us. Um, but I will say, so typically a department will reach out, they'll call or email. Um, we'll start to talk with them. What are you looking for? What are your requirements? Um, you know, single purpose dual, um, what state, all of those things. We'll start emailing back and forth, um, let them know what we have in stock for them to come and look at. They'll typically make an, you know, an appointment. They'll come down, hang out with us for a day. Um, a lot of departments are like that. You know, I, I've had very few. I've had a couple that'll just buy sight unseen. But the majority departments want to come down, meet you, shake your hand, talk to you, spend a day training with you, see what dogs you have. They don't even really care most often in our experience if it's the dog that they're actually getting. They just want to see our inventory, our training style, our whatever. So um, we are very open with that, I will invite them down. Come on down, spend a day with us, come to a Thursday night or just come out when you can. Um, we'll get together, we'll pull out dogs, you'll work in rotation, you know, wherever we're at. You can see us track, you can see us do building surges, bite work. So then I'll set that up with Ted, let them know that we've got someone coming in, who it is, what they're looking for, and when they'll be here. Um, the other thing I want to point I'll, out here is is kind of a business portion. If you're doing green dog sales, um, large kennels and everyone who knows who they are that are doing green dog sales. <clears throat> People want to come and quote unquote test dogs. And I don't really import dogs for that purpose. And the ones that we do import are not the dogs that can just be leashed up by some fucking random weirdo that I don't know and take him out of the kennel and then take him off site and not expect that dog to try and fuck him up or fuck somebody else up and, for dual purpose work. And I'm, I don't care if people don't like that and that's fine. Um, so I don't really like cater to that. Now the ones that we do do for green, um, are people that I know are trainers that I know and respect and are not fucking stupid that are, ha there's a bunch of guys in this country, in this region that have handled a dog for two years that they didn't train. They weren't even the first handler for they get a promotion and think that they want to run their own training program that they're going to go select a dog. 
And I ain't the guy for that because then we offer a warranty, right? So now I've got a warranty, a dog back and Eric is getting, Eric can maybe tell the story if not, if he wants to, uh, about having to try and warranty a dog back that some guy now is scared of, or it has fucked him up or has fucked his handler up or he's fucked up. And now I've got to deal with it. So there's a lot of mutual trust that goes into selling green dogs like that. Um, the kennels that do that, um, have a huge, huge turnover. And when you return a dog, hundred percent, I'll bet you, I'll bet your ass right now. If you're calling from, if you're listening to this and you're part of a, a department that goes and selects green, I can almost guarantee you that that dog was passed over by someone else or went somewhere and came back and had some training done and somebody returned him. One thousand yeah, probably for I biting can, the handler, probably for <laughs> fucking the handler up uh-huh, and or having absolutely. some kind of weird ass problem. So we don't really like do that. And when people call me just kind of unsolicited, I'm like, yeah, we don't do that. What I do offer, though, is Green Plus, which is something that I learned from Eric, which is a dog that's kind of pre-selected. We train it a little bit more. So we lessen the likelihood of the dog having a recall because the trainer doesn't know how to fucking imprint and doesn't know how to do basic shit. Now they can finish him, but they can't, they can't take a dog from completely green. He's never been on a leash, right? To a dog. I mean, if you get a dog in from Holland, I've got some in from our vendor that does, they don't like to get in the kennel or one I got shipped in. He had his fucking muzzle zip tied to his collar. And for very good reason. And I can't imagine that dog going to at one of these huge kennels up in you know Pennsylvania or Indiana and him getting looked at because he'd fucking kill people and or try to. And so I just need to kind of like put that out there. So we don't do a ton of those dogs. We do Green Plus, um, which saves departments. If you're listening to this also and you're a really experienced trainer and you have a vendor, if it's not me or Eric, that you trust and you're like, dude, just teach him to find one odor, start him tracking, start his out, do his bite work and do some obedience and cut my time in half mm-hmm. yeah. and then and give your vendor, give your vendor an extra five grand and they'll do it. And you can mm-hmm. tell your admins, we're spending an extra five grand and we're going to save a shit ton of time. And that's the most important thing to admins is time, not money. Yeah. So Alicia, talk about billing, what that end looks like with police departments. So, oh man. Um, it's kind of like you said, you know, this money is not theirs, but you, you don't know that when you talk to them. Um, you know, uh, they act like they're not going to be able to send their kid to college because they're buying a fucking police dog. Well, a, glo- a Glock is a Glock is a Glock. You know what I mean? Like a, a gun is a gun is a gun. There, there's not, there are better guns, but when you're looking at the same gun, um, you know, if somebody gives you a discount, then that's good. Go with that. But, um, you know, our, our, when you have a competitor in the state who's selling a dual purpose dog for 12,000, you should question that. Um, something's wrong. I mean, because mm-hmm. we all know how much a dog costs to import a healthy, health tested, x rayed, heartworm free dog that is good stock that's already tested, that has all its teeth and two nuts and, you know, is healthy. Its hips aren't going to fall out of its socket. So, um, you know, make sure that you're going to a vendor that's not, if someone's really, really cheap, please question that for your department. You you really are not going to put something healthy or something safe on the street. That's really going to protect your officer. Um, so Ted and I require 80% down and 20% on, 
pickup of the dog. The dog basically has to be completely paid for before it's taken off our property. And that is also through our insurance policy that that covers you and me. If you 